What's up, everybody? This is Zachary Wolk. You're listening to another episode of The Midnight Mystics right here on Shady Pines Radio. Tonight we have a honor of welcoming our very special guest, Melissa Richardson, also known as Melly Be Well, also known as Ignite Your Light, also known as Uplifted Particles. And she's going to be sharing with us a little bit about her journey and how she went from being somebody that didn't really know exactly what she was supposed to be doing to helping people find their foundation and understand their inner compass a little bit better. But before we jump into that interview, I want to share with you a really beautiful recording uh, that was streamed over the internet live on Sunday night from my dear spiritual teacher, Tony Moss, his accompaniment, Senya Luki, and Tete Barro. They're all part of the same umbrella crew known as IamLifeProject.org. Um, and this is a cover of a Jacob Collier song called Sun is in Your Eyes. And it's really, really beautiful. So as soon as the song ends, we'll jump right into the interview. I hope you enjoy the song and the conversation with Melissa. And you can follow her at Melly B. Well on Instagram at M-E-L-I-B-E-W-E-L-L. Enjoy the episode, everybody.
I see you clearly now. I hold you dearly now. The sun is in my It's a crazy year, huh? <laughs> Nobody. How are, how are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm okay. Lots of transitions and shifts, but overall, uh, everything sort of makes sense while we're still figuring things out. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, <laughs> it does as much as it could, as much as it doesn't. It all does. It never has, and it never will. But right now it feels like it doesn't even more than it usually doesn't. And maybe it will one day, but right now we're <laughs> just deeper into it. I'm, I'm just hanging out in my isness, just is, you know, beingness. I find that good enough. All right. Well, I do a show called Midnight Mystics with Jordan Furrow, who couldn't join us today, unfortunately. Um, he's, we're still figuring out the time difference on the other side of the country. Um, but every Tuesday night at midnight, Wednesday morning at midnight, we have mystical, esoteric, metaphysical conversations. And so I wanted to talk to you about Ignite Your Light and your journey and how you got to be in a position where you recognize that your mission and purpose was actually to activate other people's purpose and mission. Are you down for that? Yes, of course. That seems to be the only thing that I really truly care about anymore is this idea of purpose and helping other people find their purpose. So I would love to talk about that. Well, I guess the best thing to do to start is for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So my name is Melissa. I am a Seattle native. I'm currently newly 29 years old, so making my way to 30. Um, and gosh, I am in love with life. I call myself life's most enthusiastic student and teacher. And I find so much joy in everyday life, just doing the things that make me happy and bring me joy. And my story began, um, you know, maybe a little bit after those 29 years, so I'd say when I was about 16 years old, the veil was lifted for me. I had my quote unquote spiritual awakening and um, I just started to notice that life around me just didn't 
quite seem to fit into this idea of what I had been told. And I felt, I felt like an alien for many years. I felt like the people around me didn't truly understand me. I didn't truly understand them. I didn't agree with the idea of religion and church. I was brought up um, Christian Catholic. I went to Sunday school. I did that whole song and dance. And I knew almost from the beginning that this just wasn't for me. It wasn't going to be the path that I was going to go down. I just had all these signals and feelings towards it that it wasn't mine. Um, and then in school, like in high school, for example, I felt like the outcast. I felt I was like the stoner raver chick that like had a couple friends, but I just also knew that like this institution isn't for me. I don't feel like myself here. And so I had this growing feeling of like, where do I belong? Do I even belong here on earth? What is life and who am I? And like, where did we come from? I started having all of these very like esoteric questions arise in my, in my mind and my body and my life from a very young age before I understood spirituality or what any of this stuff even was. And then, um, when I was about 18, I found this website called High Existence. And High Existence was this um, platform that had all of this different information on it, unlike what I had ever seen before. And I remember two articles that really, really stuck with me. One was about um, like the hallmark of a genius being able to hold polarities together and transcend them. And then the other one was about um, do yourself a favor and buy the damn plane ticket already. And so I read this article and it was about this girl that, you know, she went through college and was a photography major and she had this life all planned out for her of like, it was all secure and had nice things and this, that and the other. And then deep down she felt that it wasn't truly for her. It wasn't what she truly wanted. It was what society told her that she wanted. It was what her family told her that they wanted for her, but it wasn't what she truly wanted. So she found the courage to leave all of it behind and to buy the damn plane ticket. And she flew to the other side of the world and had all of these experiences for better and for worse. And she said that that was what really made her come alive and to come into who she truly was. And the moment I read that article, it just hit me. It just hit something in me. And I knew from that very second that that's what I was going to do too. That I was gonna buy a plane ticket and I was just gonna go somewhere. And um, at that point I was living in Seattle and I had a really nice job and a really nice place to live. and. I had a lot of friends and I was doing everything right in the sense of like checking all the boxes and, you know, I was really financially stable and I had all my ducks in a row, uh, but something in me just knew that I could do more, that my life was meant for more than just working for somebody else. And my life was meant for more than just, you know, waiting for the weekend so I could go out and drink and go to bars and feel like shit and that whole, whole weekend song. warrior <laughs> yeah right so that whole song and dance and so um after i turned 21 and 
um, you know, the alcohol situation was actually growing and getting kind of bad for me. Like I was starting to black out and not remember things. And just this feeling inside of me was like, it's, it's time to go. So I basically quit my life in Seattle on a whim, just in the matter of course of like two months or something, like quit my job, moved out of my place. And I bought a one-way flight to Australia and I just went all by myself, no plan, nobody picking me up on the other side. I maybe had like a hostel booked for three days that I knew that that's where I was going at first. And that was it. And from there it was history. Like, so I get to the other side and I have this overwhelming feeling of like, oh shit, like this is really happening. And and this is my life now. And what am I going to do? And I, I don't have a plan. And I don't have my family here. I don't have any of my things. Just this overwhelming feeling of like chaos almost. And, um, and I'd say the first year was super, super hard for me of traveling independently. Like I was not the person I am now. I always say that I was a total princess, just a total clueless princess. And I blew so much money because... I would go to one place and I would have this mentality of like, this isn't good enough. The next place is gonna be better. And then I'd go to the next place and and that place wasn't good enough. So the next place is gonna be better. And I would like be staying at these fancy hotels and taking taxis around and going shopping and just like blowing my money. Like it was nothing. And, um, and I was so lonely. I was just super lonely and I remember crawling out of my skin with discomfort because I felt like people were looking at me and judging me and not accepting me for who I am. And it turns out, yeah, I wasn't accepting myself for who I was. So that first year was I what I call now my initiation. It was my dark night of the soul because while I was posting all these pictures of all the cool places I was and how much fun I was having. Deep down, I was hurting very deeply and, and really bad. And I felt just really lost and out of place. And I wanted to go home and I wanted to throw in the towel, but there is something bigger inside of me that said that that wasn't an option, that you have to keep going because eventually it's gonna make sense why you're doing this. And so, um, year one was hard and this ended up being like a five-year 13-country voyage so year two um, it got a little bit easier I started like making more friends and connecting with people more and like finding things to do I think a big part of feeling lost in the beginning was that I didn't have anything necessarily to do like I wasn't participating in any groups or communities or jobs or projects I was just kind of wandering aimlessly but I was still traveling around and I was starting to meet people and then these people were presenting me with different opportunities and I started to work a little bit on farms and go to festivals and that sort of thing so I felt really good when I would like go to festivals and find that sense of community. Um, but then, yeah, flash forward about five years, um, I would try to come home sometimes in that time and 
you know, I the first time I came home, I had been gone for a year and a half and I had gone like traveled through Southeast Asia and back to Australia and then spent a few months in New Zealand. And I had this newfound sense of like, wow, I'm like a worldly person that's had all of these experiences. And when I get home, like everything's going to be different. And so I come home and nothing has changed. Like nothing has changed in the sense of like, I'm still me. The people in my life are still them. People are still going about their lives. And just because I have these experiences, like doesn't really mean anything to them. And that was a hard lesson to learn that like, yeah, I was gone and I did have all these amazing, amazing experiences, but nothing like truly changed in my life when I got home. And I thought that everything was going to be different. And so I tried to stay, stick around and start my life in Seattle again, but there's just this overarching feeling of, no, it's not time yet. Like you have to keep going, you have to keep going. So after that, I traveled to Mexico and Central America for about a year and that was amazing. I had like a really profound time traveling to those countries and I came home from there and then I bought a van and then I started doing van life and I would like travel through Northern California and that's like when I met my best friend and I had some really amazing times traveling in the van and I think that that's when I truly like blossomed was when I was in the van the only thing that kept me from the outside world was a pane of glass and you know a lot of trust and a lot of resourcefulness and I had to learn how to like live without a kitchen without a bathroom and um you know just be one with nature almost and like find a place to sleep every night and so I feel like that really taught me a lot about life and a lot about myself and then yeah, fast forward to now, I've been home for about a year and a half now from this whole trip. And it's just completely changed the way that I view Seattle, that I appreciate my family, that I see life because I had to truly learn who I was without all of these things, without my friends and family and home and, and learn who I was with nothing and, and with no one. And um, it ended up teaching me some of the most valuable lessons that I think a person could learn in their life. And it's really shaped me into the person that I am today. And it's taught me about, you know, being of service to self first. And then once your cup is full, then you can be of service to others. And it turns out being of service to others is our true purpose in life and the thing that helps us feel fulfilled all the way till the end. So yeah, I just feel so grateful for my experience because without it, I don't truly don't think I would be who I am today. What, um, what inspired you to go on your van life and what inspired you to leave your van life? So initially I had been seeing some vans around at festivals. I've always gone to festivals in between all of this. And I noticed some people in vans at festivals. And then I would also go down to Northern California and trim weed 
in the fall for like four or five years in a row and people there were driving around in vans and the first two years I went down I didn't have a van and I remember just getting like completely soaked on these farms like it was fall it was raining my bedding was soaked I was cold and damp and like grumpy about it and so I came home and um, one year from everything and and I was like you know I just I really want a van like I want a van I'm feeling called towards one and then I had this story in my mind like oh but I can't afford it or like I don't deserve that and then I remember having this conversation with my mom one day and she was like if you want it just get it like just get it you're alive now and I'll lend you the rest of the money that you need to buy it and so she let me the rest of the money and like the most perfect van just appeared like in that same day and so I just knew like synchronistically that I was meant to have this van and then I had a really good friend that helped me like build out the inside and so that's what started the van life thing and then um, from there it was just a really really big adventure of learning how to actually live in a van and the less glorious sides of van life um, that you don't see on Instagram and as much as I love it and I think I'll always do it for little bits of time um, the whole traveling thing has really um, led me to now being very comfortable in my comforts because I didn't have them for so long so even just now having like a refrigerator and a washing machine for me is like heaven it's like oh wow that is like so convenient that I can just you know, have all kinds of food that I want and know that it's going to stay good for more than a day or that I can just like put my clothes in this washing machine and leave it and come back to it and not have to like sit by a washing machine in a laundromat or like wash it by hand like I did, you know, the whole time I lived in Mexico. So yeah, I, I came to it in a state of like freedom and wanting to escape and adventure and then I came out of it wanting the opposite to like recluse and get back into like comforts and having things be a little bit more available and easy. When you mentioned your first time coming back home from your five-year global spelunking tour, uh, the Nelly tour, that uh, everybody was kind of still in the same patterns and that you found yourself kind of falling into their rhythms sort of a thing is what I heard you say. And I'm curious if you think that as individuals, we are sort of held up by the projections that other people place on us. And that when we are hanging out with certain people that have known us for a long time, that we sort of become what they expect us to be, or if that's just a story and that we're actually capable of being whatever we want to be, and mm. that, that has nothing to do with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting because I think that it can be both, um, and it is both, but oftentimes we do depict people into this idea or version of them that we hold from our past experiences together. And so to, I think, overcome that, both parties will have needed to undergo 
a change or a new perspective of sorts because like the example that I think of for that or that happened with me was like you know especially now it's like I don't really drink anymore I don't like it it doesn't like do much for me and I find like a lot of my old friends that I used to hang with in Seattle that's just all we would do together right so so in my mind which it might not be reality but in my mind I'm like oh if we hang out we're gonna drink together and I think on one part that would be just what would naturally happen if I didn't alter that through my actions but on another point I think that we do have the ability to do something different or to perceive the person differently um, but it would be based on like having a conversation about that from a heart space like a really honest conversation that like hey I feel this way and um yeah like could we maybe do something different than this because this is making me feel uncomfortable now or you know I want to see people in in a new light and for who they really are beyond you know maybe their habits or the way that I perceive them so I think it's a balance and it's a dance between you know evolving um and helping people evolve with you um but also letting people be who they are at the same time when you were saying that um you cannot serve to others it's funny because i was i had that question ready to go cheers um and uh cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um that you cannot give to others unless your own cup is full and I'm curious if you consider your own cup to be as full as you need it to be right now and um, how like what was missing from that cup from prior to when you found that website to now um, and what has shifted you from a person that was lost to a person that now is ready to provide your services and help activate and ignite the light within others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'd say the main difference between the person who I was before I stepped on the plane and before I read that article online to who I am now is how much I love myself. I would say that the person who I was before I stepped on that plane didn't love themselves and they didn't have an idea about who they were or why they were or where they came from. And so when I was in Australia and these other places and I was by myself, it taught me how to know myself. And in knowing myself, I learned how to love myself. And when I learned how to love myself, then I learned the specific actions that it took to maintain a high vibratory state, the specific things that you need to do in a day in order to fill up your cup and in order to feel healthy. And when you are doing these things regularly, then your cup is full and then that starts to overflow. And then when it starts to overflow is when you're able to give other people that energy, to share this energy with others. And then once you start to share it with others, you feel this um, kind of like a mirror reflection where it's like now that's starting to reflect back to you in your external 
And so then it just becomes this stream of upward spiraling cosmic beautiful energy that it like you feed off of it and and so now that I've got a taste of that and I know like how good it feels to help another person just by being myself and like sharing a lesson or a truth that I've learned in my life it's like all all I want to do now anytime I I learn anything new or come across anything that I find helpful the first thought that comes to my mind is like, how can I share this with others? Like, how can I also share this to others? And and so that's why I love social media platforms. And and you said to me the other day, actually, like that you love that I'm sharing what I learn. And, and that's why I consider myself the teacher and the student, because in my mind, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I don't understand this fully. So who am I to share it? Like, what if somebody asks me something about it and I don't know the answer? And that's, you know, my ego, my fear voice talking. And I've learned to like, listen to the other voice, the love voice that says like, you don't need to know everything before you're worthy of sharing with people who you are and and what you care about and what's important to you. I think the more important thing is that you, you put it out there and in putting it out there, even if just one person gains something from it, then it's a success, like then you did the right thing. And so, yeah, just having having a full cup and maintaining that full cup and serving yourself first, I think is, is so important. And then once you reach a level of, you know, you're good, I feel good today, then I think you have that energy to share it with others. So I think we jumped into your journey because that's really relevant to how you became who you are today. Uh, But we did kind of skip over the first article, which is how to hold both poles simultaneously. And can you repeat what the the title of the article was? Okay, it was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about um, the hallmark of a genius is the ability to hold opposites together or polarities and transcend them. How do you define genius? Hmm. I would say a genius is somebody that knows. And I think that knowing goes beyond belief. I think that when you know something to be true, it's because you can feel it in like every aspect of your being. And I think that a genius is also somebody that can balance the left side of their brain, the, the masculine the intellect, and also the right side of the brain, the feminine, the intuitive. And I think that both aspects together create like a superpower genius because I think um, in our culture, people tend to be more left or right side dominant. It's either like, I need this to like be proven to me, like in the physical, otherwise it doesn't exist. Or more right brain people are like, well, I'm, I believe in this and like, I don't need to see proof. And I think that that's a lot of what we're, we're seeing today is like people hanging in one side or the other where it's like, I I do want to see things proven physically in front of me, but also I I use my intuition as a tell as well, because that I think has 
a whole lot of validity and more that we give it than we give it credit for. Why do you think so many people? Why do you think that it's like the default to need to stake your flag in a position and keep it there, no matter what? Like, and by that I mean like hold a belief so strongly or need to find a belief to hold to so strongly that it becomes the most important thing in regards to anything. Um, whether that's like preference in politics or preference in career. Um, I find that a lot of humans um, are really stubborn and mm -hmm. actually will work against their best interest in the name of certainty this false fake certainty or something like that and not to be judgmental not to be like oh they're bad for being that i just think that it's a little silly why do you think people are so um like that they need to know they need to believe something they need, yeah um yeah i think people want to believe in things and need to believe in things because it validates their existence right like they they want to attach with something or identify with something because then this thing is, you know, guiding them. It's like a, a guiding light for them, maybe in some ways. And I think that a lot of, of people are doing this right now for politics. Um, they're like, I believe that this is the good guy and that's the bad guy. And, and I'm going to see it through till the end. And, um, and I think that it's because we, don't know who we are and we don't know where we came from and so we like to attach ourselves to things so that we can validate our existence but what i have been finding a lot of solace in lately and comfort is the middle ground it's staying neutral it's not over identifying with something and instead looking at both things from a wider perspective in order to understand the full picture because information is everywhere. We're in the age of information um, and it's never been more available and at our fingertips than it is right now. And if we don't look at the whole of the information, then we're missing half of the story. And something that I think is that, you know, all this information out there, some is true, some is not true. But if it exists, then that means that it's valid in some way, like somebody thought of it, it is a thing that exists in the world. And it, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily true, but that means that somebody thought it, it was like a thought train that came from somewhere, which means that it validly exists in the world and deserves to be taken into account as well. It's like, for you, doesn't your existence validate your existence? <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? I mean, that for me goes back to the, the knowing part, like I know who I am now and I remember what my mission is here on Earth, so I don't necessarily need to attach to these like extreme ideas in order to feel like I'm connected to something, like I felt connected to myself and that feels good enough for me most days. Um, but I think that, yeah, if you don't know your purpose and you don't remember who you are, then these external things really help you to feel a sense of belonging. And deep down, that's we all just wanna belong and, and feel like our voice is heard and that our, our opinion and who we are matters. So I think that these 
ways of identifying is what that does for us. So there's a thing we do here on this show, which is for each of our guests, for every new soul that presents themselves into the Midnight Mystics, um, we give you the option to participate in this experiment where we give you 120 seconds to answer the question, who are you? Yeah. Are, are you willing, <laughs> are you willing to? to uh, yes. <laughs> so when I finish saying you, I've started the timer. Melissa Richardson, who are you? I am here now. I'm a multi-dimensional soul who has incarnated into this existence for no reason other than to be, to be and to remember and to experience. I am whole, I am worthy. I follow the truth. I am Melissa Richardson, a girl being in this body right now, but I am also so, so, so much more than that. Not in the sense of I'm not worthy of who I am right now, but in a sense of my capacity to love is limitless. Who I am is limitless. There are no limits. I am, and I am because I love and I love because I remember. And I remember because we are all one. There are no others. This is, we are, I am you, and you are me. And we are one. And one is all I am because I am. You are because you are. We are because we are. I am Melissa Richardson, for now. Oh, it's hard to keep going. <laughs> um, can I get a redo? <laughs> redo? No, can't get a redo. Well, I don't know, uh, that's a good question. That leads into another, uh, we'll cut you off at, at six seconds, but um, do you think that this is a redo? No, no, I don't think we really do get any redos. I think once something's done, you can't undo it. Do you think that this is your first body? No, I think that I've lived several lives before this. Have you ever had any experiences of past life regression where you're like, oh, or has somebody told you something where you're like, it clicks, you talk about remembering remembering is there anything before you were born into the body that people call melissa richardson that you can remember not directly i haven't had any direct like visual experiences um but i associate a lot with the three waves of volunteers which is a book written by dolores cannon who does past life regressions and I believe that I'm the second wave of volunteer um, and I identify with it because it says that um, the second wave, you know, they help humanity um, kind of just by being 
their beingness and they protect those around them unconsciously. Um, and then they also like to keep to themselves a lot, which is totally me this year. I've just turned into hermit mode. Um, but essentially the three waves of volunteers came to earth at this time to assist humanity in the ascension process. So they're here to help evolve consciousness, to help humans ex um, raise their vibratory frequency with the earth so that we can escape from all of this self-inflicted suffering that we oppose onto ourselves. And when I think about, yeah, my mission in life, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just here because I want to help other people evolve and free themselves from their very own minds. What do you think is helpful in that service to others to get them on the right track to knowing themselves as fully as possible? Well, for the first maybe five years of my wellness journey, I was very focused on the external. So like eat right, you know, know what to eat and exercise and these like external practices that bring well-being to the body. And those are wonderful and excellent. Um, but more recently I've been to, I began to transition into more of the mental and that um, I think truly the key that unlocks all of this is the realization that our thoughts are shaping our reality. Our beliefs are the lens in which we are perceiving our reality. Therefore, our thoughts and beliefs have the ability to truly change our life from inside out because our perception is everything. Like reality is the reflection of your perception and if you want to change anything outside of you, you have to change it inside of you first. And for me, this was the thing that really freed me in the end because um, it forced me to have to take radical responsibility for my thoughts and actions and, and the way that I moved about in the world. And when I did that and when I said, okay, I'm responsible for everything that's happening to me, that for everything that I've created, now I can choose differently. And so I started to choose differently and I started to understand the law of cause and effect that the things that I'm doing in my life are creating these effects. It's creating these conditions. And with that realization and that knowledge, I was able to change my behavior. And when I changed my behaviors and became accountable and responsible for them, then reality began to reflect back to me this new way of thinking. And therefore, I'm able now to, um, to tweak my reality and to create it in such a way that I don't really have problems anymore. And I think it's because I don't see problems as problems. I see them as like challenges and temporary discomforts and opportunities for growth. Challenges are just lessons. And it's these little reframes in perception that change everything. They change everything for us. And so I think that that's the secret sauce. <laughs> it's uh, what came to mind when you were talking about that is instead of seeing our problems as problems or as negative things, we see them all as training exercises, mm -hmm. spiritual training exercises, you know, totally. Gym. And the world is a gym for us to get really spiritually fit for something like that yeah yeah completely it's just a little playground you know that we're here to learn and grow in and 
we don't have to take everything so darn personally in our little blimp of existence and instead we can just play and and you know course correct when needed but also yeah we can we can have fun with it and it doesn't need to be so dense it feels so dense sometimes here and um and the third dimension is quite dense i will say that like we are in probably one of the densest situations we can be in but um i think that there's a lot of lightness that we can create with our godlike minds that have this ability to shape our reality so you shared something on instagram recently from the kabbalion that the principle of mentalism embodies the idea that all is mind. Everything that happens has to be a result of the mental state which precedes it. For anything to exist, thoughts had to form first, which then form physical reality or manifestation. Your thoughts are seeds. Plant positive seeds in your mind garden. Um, yeah, I love that one. <laughs> so you strike me as a very optimistic uh, person and i think that might be your mode when you're posting on social media is to remind us all of the positivity of existence and the blessings in life and how fun life can be and so thank you for being that reminder when so many people are like, <laughs> like i am a over-evolved aped with access to communicate all the time and so i'm going to talk about the stuff i don't like because I don't know how to deal with my feelings or something like that. But um, do you consider yourself to be more optimistic, a predominantly optimistic person? Yes. Yes, I do. I deeply acknowledge that um, I'm not always. And I would say right now, um, especially with, you know, the state of the world and as I begin to like uncover more hard truths like about myself and about life, um, it's putting me in a little bit of a state of like chaos a little bit lately. I feel, you know, I'm questioning things. I'm like, wait, who am I? What is this? Is this a dream? Like what's important? What truly matters? There's all these things happening in the world that sometimes I do go down the rabbit hole focusing on and, and thinking about. And I think it's important to stay informed, but then also at the same time, like I have the choice at any moment to like go outside and hula hoop and focus on that. And so I would say like, generally, yes, I am an, a very optimistic person. Um, I don't typically share my hardships and downfalls on social media, which has been a theme that's come up for me lately is that I want to try to like show that side of myself more and be more vulnerable because I do share like some some lessons and, and hard truths, but I don't necessarily relate that back to myself. So that has been something that has been alive for me recently. Uh, but overall, I, I can make light of things um, and I can see the light in things and I choose to focus my energy on what's going to serve me, what's going to bring me the best result versus, you know, what was wrong with that situation, like how that person is to blame or how this could have happened differently. Like usually when something happens for me, it's done. There's no going back. So I'm not going to waste my energy wishing that it would have been a different way. Um, so overall I am super positive and I do see the bright side of things, but, um, at the very same time, 
yeah, I can go down that that dark path in that rabbit hole and, and some days, yeah, I don't I don't see the light and, and I don't want anything to do with the world. And so it's it's lately more than ever been a dance and from one day to the next it can be so, so different. And in those darker moments I can still see the light. I can still see that this is just a day in my life that I don't feel good and that's okay. And I just allow myself to feel it and be with it and try to even distract myself the least amount as possible. I just will like sit with myself and feel these emotions and like cry and and kick and scream. And then I'll wake up the very next day and, and be feeling good again. So it's like that, it's the polarity, right? You're just like constantly ebbing and, and flowing through both. Has, uh, has meditation assisted your journey in transcending the polarities? Yes, definitely. So I have, I'm like a morning and night meditator these days. And even if that means that I don't have like any big revelations or, you know, even feel anything at all, like I could just be sitting still and like thoughts are coming in my mind the whole entire time. But for me, it's about having the intention and actually following through with allowing myself time to just be with myself in whatever capacity that is that day. And so for me, it's less about achieving some sort of state and more about caring for myself enough to take that time, whether I feel like it or not is irrelevant. It's like, you're gonna sit your ass on the pillow and you're just gonna be quiet for a minute. And um, and sometimes I just have these beautiful breakthroughs like I know it was a good meditation if there's like two tears streaming down my face because I can feel myself and every time I tap into that space that it's like just a little bit below the surface and I can feel myself dancing inside of me and I can feel my body say thank you for acknowledging me then I get the two little tears down my face and I, I feel so good because I took that time for myself so meditation is huge and I recommend it for all. And even if it's not, you know, the traditional sense of like meditation, which I think some people get caught up on, um, it's, it's more to me about taking that time for yourself every day to check in. Is hula hooping a form of meditation? Yes, it's my favorite form of meditation. I call it movement meditation, actually, because I have actually tested this, you guys. I will take my hoop and I'll just, you know, go out in the field or the backyard and put on my tunes and start flowing. And I've been doing it for about seven or eight years now, so it's all muscle memory. Don't have to think about it one bit. And in those moments, I'm literally thinking about nothing, nothing but just the pure movement in this moment. Um, and it's so freeing. It's, it's so beautiful because it puts me in the flow state and in the flow state, I open up so much creativity and, um, and just peace. I feel so, so peaceful when I do it. And it's also a brilliant way to stay active as well. So for me, hula hooping is, is my favorite form of meditation. Hula hooping has this connotation with femininity, the feminine. 
mm -hmm. the masculine and the feminine. And uh, I always love seeing a, a good brother with a hula hoop that like does some crazy stuff because with women, for whatever reason, I see them just naturally in that fluid, liquid state of perpetual motion. But with masculine, it seems as though there's a little bit more of a challenge understanding that. And I know that masculine and feminine get kind of like wrapped up into the association of men and women. Um, I'm curious if you think that the associations of masculine and feminine have their place and their value in our understanding of the world and of people and of ourselves, or if you think that masculine and feminine are actually sort of um, limiting associations that aren't really necessary. Hmm. Yeah. I would say that they they do serve their purpose, right? Like, for example, I'm learning Spanish right now and everything in Spanish is either masculine or feminine. Um, I'm also learning the hermetic principles and the, the seventh principle is gender. There's inherently gender within everything. And so I think that it does serve a purpose of like helping us know our role is like who we are and um, but then at the very same time as I say that I think that it it does limit us a little bit and it puts us into this cage of like well I'm masculine so I need to be like the big protector or I need to be tough and and showing my emotions is feminine so I so I can't do that and so in that in that way I think that it does limit us and i and i think that as humanity is evolving and consciousness is evolving we're allowing our gender roles to become a little bit more fluid which i love which i think is getting back to our our true nature and and so i think it's both i don't know i'm like such a neutral middle path walker these days that i think that gender definitely serves its purposes, um, but also we don't need to be confined to our gender roles and we can move outside of, of those boxes. So I understand pronouns, but I, and I, I say I understand, right? Like I understand what I understand about pronouns, <laughs> but in Spanish, I don't understand the need to gender everything, um, for everything to have a masculine and a feminine when you are in your studies of Spanish and you're thinking about that, what value do you think that contributes to the culture um, or the language and the language? Yeah, um, so actually I just kind of asked my Spanish teacher this this morning because um, it came up again where I was like, well, why, why is that feminine? Like what, why is it feminine? And, um, from what I remember him saying that it, it kind of just is, like it's already been decided if something is masculine or feminine. Um, but I, I like it in a sense because for example, in English, you can say, this is my friend, but we don't know if that friend is a boy or a girl. So in Spanish, you would say like, this is my amigo, O at the end meaning male or amiga at A at the end meaning female. And so I think that it helps them to describe things in a more efficient manner. Um, just of what I can think of right now, because yeah, I, I don't know why 
some one thing would be masculine over feminine if it's a neutral thing um, but it helps them describe things and i can see that i can see it um, but we do that too right like we we don't call things like a feminine cell phone but um i think it makes sense in some ways i just i love the the spanish and latin language because I feel like they do a really great kind of like fun way of describing things and they, they also put things in different um, places too so it's just been a whole journey learning that and I'm still like pretty new into it like I've been speaking Spanish since I first started going to Mexico and um, and I kind of skipped over all of these technical parts because I was just learning street Spanish by listening. And so now I'm having to go back and like touch up on this knowledge of like, what is masculine? What's feminine? Like, are you talking about theirs or mine? It's, it's all really like intricate to me right now, but it's starting to make more sense. I think that there's some value in traditions. Um, helping us understand our place and how we belong. But what your teacher said, I think is the most honest thing, which is just like... Just, that's the way it is. Just, that's the way it is. Stop <laughs> asking so many questions, students. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your program that you offer online and with, uh, with people that are interested in working? So I recently just released um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. It's called Ignite Your Light. The duration is three months. And basically I'm looking to work with people who are ready to take their lives to the next level um, through purpose, through finding your purpose and being of service to others. I want to help people integrate into a more holistic lifestyle. So that would include you know, those external things that I spoke of, of, you know, what to eat or how to eat and different exercises or meditation practices. But then I also want to focus heavily on mindset here. Like I want to take this idea of the thoughts shaping your reality and just hit it home for people because it was the one thing that truly set me free. And I that it has the um, the ability inherent in it to set everybody free because it's an eternal truth. And so Ignite Your Light is for someone that is serious about doing the work, the inner work, and that is looking for a little bit of guidance in these strange, strange times that we're in. Because that's been something that has really catapulted me was, was having this guidance, was finding mentors and people that can hold me accountable, people that can show me my blind spots, people that can say, oh, hey, have you tried this yet? It sounds like this like fits in perfectly to what you're talking about. So it's a one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Um, it's flexible depending on where you're at and what you're in, what you need, because we're not, not one person's the same, right? So it's intuitive. Um, I also give exercises and different things for the person to work on. And also the length of time is negotiable. Like if we're three months in and it's going super well, we can continue on. So it's a really exciting new project and I'm excited to change people's lives with it.
Cool. And how can people reach you for it? So right now people can find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Melly B. Well, M E L I P E W E L L. That's all one word. Um, I also just started a Facebook community called the self care sanctuary where I post different self care tips and little discussions and things like this. Um, otherwise, if you want to directly reach out to me, my email is upliftedparticles at gmail.com. Can you tell us on how Uplifted Particles came to you? <laughs> so Uplifted Particles is my umbrella term for everything that I do. Um, and it's, in the, it's been like a few years in the making, but it's an online wellness platform um, or community. And it came to me through a lot of word mashing. <laughs> I love to like write down all the words that I love and that mean something to me or make me feel something. And then I'll just like put them together in different ways. Um, so that's how the name came to be in itself. And then the purpose behind Uplifted Particles is to have like kind of one umbrella platform where people can find all of my work. What do you think of when you hear people use the word magic? Hmm. Now, I think of magic as the ability to see clearly. Um, I used to think of it as more of like, you know, the magician doing the card tricks, but I think true mag magicians are the ones who are able to see beyond the lies and the illusions and experience life and themselves for what it truly is beyond all of our stories and, um, and the things that we have inherently learned to be about life. For yourself, this difference between belief and knowing is really interesting to me. How can you tell the difference for yourself between whether or not you're believing in something or you actually know a thing? For me, currently, it's the feeling that I get in my body. It is when I hear something and it just resonates with me so hard that I just know, I just know. And, and it, that could just still be a belief, but for me, it feels like it's grown from believing, you know, like believing this story that I've lived many lives before this and that, you know, I'm Melissa right now, but I'm not always going to be Melissa and I'm, and I'm more than Melissa. And like, that could never truly be proven because it's not physical. Um, we can't like see it with all, with all of our senses. And so to me, knowing is a resonance. It's a frequency inside of my body that I just, I feel, and there's no doubts in my mind about it. A story about love. I dance with the impermanence of life, a grand remembrance of learning how to let go, 
I feel fully and completely, allowing myself to be with myself through all of my emotions. I meet my shadows in the depths of my core, only to find that my inner child has always been yearning to be set free. I listen for the lessons hidden in the challenges. I send gratitude to my teachers that come in the form of friends. I stare death in the eyes, just to realize that he is an old friend patiently waiting to guide me home. I realize that real love doesn't happen overnight. It takes a level of vulnerability and honesty that can only be found deep in the heart. I understand that change lives in our day-to-day -day actions, our moment-to-moment -moment choices. I nourish my body with the things it needs to thrive because I know that my health and well-being is the most important thing I will ever be able to maintain. I see the depth of our abundance, that true happiness in this life comes from what we give and not what we get. I sit patiently with myself, seeing that I will never be perfect and there will always be space to grow. I don't settle for a false story of fear fed to me through a screen. I choose to discover my own truth about the world. I integrate myself into the spaces less familiar in order to fill the gap of misunderstanding. I understand the importance of what it means to be alive, to really live no matter what it takes. I travel the world for years only to find that the answers I am seeking will never be found outside of me. They are inside all of us. I discover there is nothing to fear, and it grants an immense freedom to be the grand creator of my own life. As I peek behind the curtain, all I can see is love. Life sends me a hug in the form of sunshine on my shoulders. The birds sing to me and tell me to keep going, to keep carving a new way and to leave platforms behind. My journey blossoms into new forms and changes with the seasons. In the end, the only thing left is here and now, this moment, this grand opportunity to be completely human, to make the most of this crazy, precious thing we call life. I invite you to remember that we are all one and to be the best versions of ourselves that we can possibly be. I love you, family. We're all in this together. Aho. Aho. So Aho. it is. And so it is. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. It was nice getting on here and chatting with you. And yeah. I enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share? Let's see. Let me tune into my universe here. And I'd say the biggest thing I want to share with humanity right now is to just be authentic and to follow your joy and a little less external, a little more internal because yeah, we got to feel our way out of this and yeah, the only way out is through. So tune in and feel yourself and find yourself 